an obedience line. That when you cross it, you trigger all of the alarms in hell. When you make a decision that you are going to follow Jesus Christ without any reserve, you are going to follow Jesus Christ, you are going to obey what he tells you to do, you trigger alarms in the realm of Satan, spiritual realms. It's like that great foghorn going off. Danger. It's like all the fire alarms go off. The lights flash. There's an alert. And it has your name. Now, if you are attending a church, no alarms go off. If you have a religion that you practice, no alarms go off. If you pay your tithes and you give offerings to the Lord, no alarm goes off. If you try to be the very best person you can possibly be, no alarms go off. He's not concerned about you. He has you. It's not until you cross that obedience line and you say, I am now prepared to step across the line. I will now obey the commands of Jesus Christ. I will now walk in obedience to him. I no longer have money. I no longer have time. I no longer have things. They all belong to Jesus. You have stepped over the line. And you are about to become a sifted saint. A sifted saint. Now that sifting can be perhaps 40 days as it was with Jesus as he walked in the wilderness. That sifting can be perhaps 40 hours as it was with Peter. Some of us have experienced sifting that goes on beyond the 40 days. Sifting is something that comes out of the scriptures as they would harvest their wheat. They would beat it to separate the chaff from the wheat. They would winnow it. They would throw it in the air and the wind would blow it away. There was one last process. And that's where they dumped the wheat into a box. And they covered the top of the box with a netting. And then they turned it upside down and they shook it violently. And they shook it violently so that all the rocks and all the dirt will shake out. And when you decide to follow Jesus and you step across that line, the devil says to the Lord God of heaven, you can't save them because they're just dirt. They're not worth anything. And so the Lord God of heaven says, go ahead and give them a shake. Go ahead and give them a shake and see what they're made of. I already know what they're made of. But I'll tell you in just a minute why God allows this. He has an important purpose. He doesn't do it capriciously. He has a goal in mind. 
Now, I'm not one who speaks lightly about the powers of Satan. I have seen and experienced firsthand the power of Satan. I'm not one of those who would pretend to throw him down on the ground and stomp all over him. That's foolishness from people who don't know anything about true spiritual warfare. There are other pastors who have said to me, all you have to do is say, in the name of Jesus, be gone, and they have to leave. Well, that's fine until you say it and they don't leave. Yes. Yes. It's obvious that people who believe such things have not walked long in the walk of warfare. It is true that Satan is subject to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes from the mouth of Paul or when it comes from the mouth of Peter. When it comes from a sifted saint who has borne the sifting and come through. But Satan might say, I know about Peter and I know about Paul, but who are you? And beat you up. I fear too often we've been just beat up. Because we had not yet crossed that line. And we'd not yet been sifted. And so we have no track record in the spiritual realm. And so Satan says, don't try to tell me what to do. I'm going to sift you. Now we're warned by the Apostle Paul in the 6th chapter of Ephesians that we are to put on the full armor of God. Now if Satan has no power, why would he tell us to put on armor? He's telling us to put on armor. And he's telling us if we don't put on the armor, we're going to get hurt. Now who's he speaking to? People who confess the name of Jesus. He's saying you confess the name of Jesus, but Satan is going to hurt you if you don't get dressed. Chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, there is a whole dimension that we cannot see with our physical eyes. And the warfare is bitter for your soul. And Satan is utterly determined that he will have you. He will exhaust you. He will depress you. He will oppress you. He will do whatever he has to do to get that fiery dart to penetrate your heart so that you will finally say, it's hopeless. I can't make it. I quit. Now watch. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil comes, 
when the day of evil comes. You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now look, what seems so strange to me is that many today who call themselves Christians could explain all of the theology of the gospel. They can explain justification by faith, sanctification by faith. They can explain the the incarnation. They can explain every aspect of the gospel. But they never have stepped across the obedience line. And they have never been sifted by Satan. And they have never stood in the fire. Have you stood in the fire? Are you standing today in the fire? The promise of Jesus is that we come out like fine gold. Have the truth buckled around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. Your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of Shalom. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You wonder why we say constantly at this church, read your Bibles. It's because who would send a policeman out without his sidearm? Who would send a soldier to Iraq without his rifle? You are disarmed when you are not reading the word of God. Pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. The emphasis on be alert, be awake, be aware of what's going on. But if Satan has you depressed, you're not alert. If Satan has you depressed and oppressed, you're ready to give up and you're singing a poor me song. If you're exhausted physically and you're not taking care of your body and you're hungry and you're overworked, you're not alert. You're asleep. The fiery darts of the enemy can penetrate you. Now I want to show you this in story form. Turn with me to the book of Luke. 22nd chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. In other words, Simon has stepped over the line and he has said, I will follow you, Lord. I will obey you. I will be your servant. I will give up my family. I will give up my fishing business. I will give up everything I have. And I will follow you. And Satan comes along 
and he's terrified because he has seen that Peter has been casting out demons. He's been healing the sick. And now suddenly the Lord God of heaven has spoken the most awesome promise. I want you to look at the promise that he's just made. Look in verse 28. Luke 22, 28. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me. Now that word conferred, I said, what does that mean? I looked it up. The meaning is to be channeled. Channeled. He's saying, I channel my kingdom through you, just as my father channeled his kingdom through me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And the word sitting on the throne is potentate. Absolute ruler. Absolute authority and power, Kevin. So he's saying to his disciples, you are going to come and sit on thrones. You are going to have absolute power under my authority. I am going to channel my kingdom to the whole earth through you who have walked with me as my apostles. And then he comes further in the writings of the Apostle Paul. And he said, I'm going to channel in the book of Ephesians everything through my body, through my church. And everything will be brought into unity under the Lordship of Jesus. By the channeling of the power of God through his people who've crossed that line of obedience. I mean, what an awesome revelation God has just given. Incredible promise. That's when he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. The picture I get is Satan is somehow allowed still to go into the throne room of God. And just as he appeared and spoke to the Lord, about Job, he's now speaking to him about Simon. Now, do you understand, when Job was walking on the face of the earth, he did not know that in the heavenlies a conversation was going on about him. But that conversation affected every aspect of his life. Conversations are going on in heavenly realms about you. And when your name comes up, Satan said, you're nothing but dirt. You let me sift them a bit and they'll be out of there. They won't walk with you. They'll scorn you. You let me at them and I'll show you what they're really made of. Watch what the Lord says. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And I struggled with that. I said, Lord God, why would you pray that Simon's faith would not 
Baal? Why didn't you pray that he wouldn't be trapped by Satan and fall in sin? Hmm. Because there's blood to cover the sin. But there is no blood to cover the loss of faith. The blood covered the sin. But when a man or a woman, I don't trust the Lord God of heaven. And I'm no longer going to walk across on that side of the obedience line. Having known that obedience line, having walked over here and then got sifted out of that. And he's over here now on this side and he has no faith in God and his heart is utterly bitter. Judas walked with Jesus. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He had revelations of God's glory. He saw Jesus. He touched Jesus. He kissed Jesus. The creator God of heaven kissed on the cheek. But when he was sifted, he came out dirt. He came out dirt. He had no heart for God. He had no love for Jesus. When he saw that he wasn't going to get what he wanted out of the deal, he said, I'm out of here. Have you established something in your mind and said, I'm either going to get what I want and I'll walk over here on the obedient side as long as I think I can get what I want. But if I can't get it, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. That was Judas. Simon Peter, he's walking over here on the obedient side. But he sins against God. He rejects Jesus for the sake of public embarrassment. He says, I don't know Jesus. He denies Jesus. But he's not lost. Because he's not dirt. He has a heart that loves Jesus. You see, that's what makes the difference between wheat and dirt. The wheat loves Jesus Christ. And are sold out to him. No matter what the cost. Even though they make mistakes. And Satan wants to come on those who make mistakes and say, you rotten sinner, how do you think God can ever forgive you for that? You have, you have gone over the edge. No, you haven't. Not if you still have your faith. It's by faith that we appropriate the blood. Now, Peter, Jesus is praying for him that his faith will not fail. There are two things that drive people to step across this obedience line. One is to get something, to be a better person, 
to be loved by somebody, to be thought of highly. They step across this obedience line because they just see that it's the right thing to do, and they're good moral people. And then there are people who step across the line because they love Jesus Christ. And they can't do anything else but step across the line. I was saying to Jan this week, I don't come to the National Prayer Chapel and preach in order to build a church. I don't come here in order to do what God told me to do. I just come and do this because I love him. I don't have a choice. It doesn't matter if it's ever successful. It doesn't matter if I even measure whether it's successful. Jan and I used to count how many people came on Sunday. We don't count anymore. It doesn't matter. If you're not here, my wife will be here. And we'll worship the Lord together. Why? Because we stepped across the line and we said, Jesus, your love compels us to step across the line. We didn't step across the line to get something. I didn't step across the line so I could go to heaven. I didn't step across the line because it was what I was supposed to do. I stepped across the line. Because he loves me. Now, I'm not talking about sentimental feelings. Do you understand? I'm not talking about sentiment. Some of you may say to me, Pastor, I just don't feel any love in my heart. I don't care. That kind of love wears out real quick. You know, my wife loves me. But I tell you what, she sees me. She sees me when I'm at my worst. For her to love me means that when I'm my worst, she's going to cover over the worst. So you all don't see it. <laughs> she's going to say, you look kind of shaggy. Let me cut your hair. You know, she knows how to fix me up. Knows what clothes to put on me. I mean. I get out of the house once in a while. My socks don't match my pants. And she'll say, just keep your pants down low today. <laughs> I understand what she means. My socks don't match. <laughs> I mean, she just does a wonderful job of covering me over. The love I'm talking about is not sentiment. It's not emotion. It's that total giving over. Because everything's been given to me. When I was a sinner and deserved nothing, Jesus went to the cross and died for me. He gave to me. You understand, this word love is a verb. It means it's what I do. 
When I watch these two feet right here in these little pink shoes, you know where they walk? In humble service to my heart. That tells me she loves me. And if you were to watch these big black shoes, you know what you'd see? You'd see that every time she needs the trash taken out, it's gone. Every time she needs dishes washed, they're done. Every time she needs something, it's covered, it's taken care of. Why? Because these two black shoes serve this woman. Because this man has a heart that loves her. So everything in the scriptures that I see tells me that at every turn, the Lord God of heaven has walked after me. We have referred to him at times as the hound of heaven, always baying, always coming. Finally, we fall down and we feel him licking our face. We leap to our feet and we run from him again, stumbling toward darkness and sin. Here comes the hound of heaven baying after us. Some of you are here this afternoon because the hound of heaven's been after you and you can't do anything but come. If you tried to run, he'd be right after you. Calling after you, saying, I love you. I serve you. The Lord God of heaven serves his people. He served Peter by praying for him. That his faith would not fail. So now here comes the enemy against Peter. Peter has denied Jesus. He looks up and he sees the face of Jesus. And Jesus' eyes, according to Luke, turn and look right at him. And his heart is utterly broken. He wept violently. Violently he wept. Because he had betrayed the only person who had ever truly loved him in his life. Judas goes and commits suicide. It's over. It's hopeless. There's no redemption. He can't have what he wants. He wants power and authority. He wants glory. He wants to sit on the throne of heaven. He wants to be like Lucifer, high and lifted up. He wants to be the master of all. Peter, broken of heart, says, Lord God, I'll be your servant. Take me back. But I want you to notice this. Peter's faith didn't fail. He said, I know Jesus will take me back. What I want you to hear today, if you don't hear anything else, is that there is no sin you can commit against God that cannot be covered by his blood. And he will take you back. And establish you. The only thing that will block you. Is if you no longer believe. 
<coughs> he will take you back. If you no longer believe that he will take you back, it's a simple little word. It's called pride. You see, this whole struggle with Peter, the reason God allowed him to be sifted, because with all of the pure three years of teaching, his pride could not be broken. All of the association with Jesus did not break his pride. Seeing the humility of Jesus as he washed the disciples' feet did not break his pride. Jesus allows sifting to get at very specific sins that we still cling to in our heart. That sifting could be cancer. That sifting could be any kind of physical ailment. That sifting could be financial loss. That sifting can be anything that we fear. The thing we fear most will come upon us. That's what Job said. Job feared more than anything else for the safety of his children. And so all of his children died. Job feared more than anything else the loss of his money. So he lost all of his money. Job feared more than anything else the shame before his wife and his friends. So he was shamed before his wife and his friends. Why? In order to get at that central heart issue of pride. And God dealt with Peter's pride. Some of you, God, has not been able to deal with your pride. You've sat in church and listened to the teaching of the word of God for years. And your pride is intact and well. You still are filled with arrogance in your inner spirit and your inner man. You still say, I can manage my own affairs. I can handle my money. I can handle my time. All I need, Jesus, is a little bit of your help. But I can handle it. I'm the man. Or I'm the woman. And this pride will become a source of sifting in your life. And the sifting will be violent. The sifting will be sharp. The sifting will be terrifying. And as you're in the midst of this sifting, Jesus is praying for you. John 17. Jesus is praying for you. He's praying not that you won't make a mistake. He can cover the mistake. He's praying that your faith will not fail. Because he can't cover your failed faith. Because failed faith means you didn't get out of the deal what you wanted. And so now you're going to go to another master to get from him what you want. And he will pay you with death. Do you see this? 
I want you to look with me at another passage of scripture. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Speaking about the Old Testament and all the stories of the Old Testament. In verse 11. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 11. These things happen to them as examples or as demonstrations or as rehearsals and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. In other words, be careful of sifting. Maybe right around the corner. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. In other words, no sifting can come upon you that can cause you to absolutely have to fall. If you fall, it's because of that hidden sin in your heart that you have not allowed God to get at, regardless of how hard he's tried. And so finally he says, I have to give you into the hand of Satan to let him bring this upon you that finally we could deal with this issue. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In other words, in every temptation that comes, there is an avenue of escape. The only reason you will fall is if there is a hidden sin that you've continued to cling to. And the Lord God finally says, we've got to deal with that one. His blood will cover the mistake. It's the faith he's concerned about. Will you turn in bitterness against him and say, it's too hard. I can't walk it. Or will your spirit rise up with faith and say, I will trust you. Even if you slay me, yet will I trust you. He has a purpose for this. Notice back in Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 32. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. It does not say if you turn back. Huh? It does not say if says when in other words Jesus knew that Peter was weak he knew going in that he was going to be violently shaken and so what do we do with a brother or a sister that we suddenly see going into a violent shaking 
the, the crisis is upon them. They are facing catastrophe. What do I do when I go into a hospital room and here's a brother or sister in the bed and the doctor said it's terminal and they're saying, oh, pastor, how can I deal with this? What do I say to them? I talk to them about their faith. Will they trust Jesus? Even if they die, will they trust Jesus? Or are they going to turn back? Jesus knows who his wheat is. He knows who we are. He knows who he's chosen. He knows who he's called. He's called you here because you've made a decision to cross over that line. You would not be at the National Prayer Chapel if you crossed over the line to get something. There are lots of other places you could get more. You could get the music and the dance and you could get all the parties. You could get all the social deal. You wouldn't be here crossing over that line unless you were wheat and Jesus was saying to you, I love you. Come and follow me. Now, if he's called you and if he's testing you, if he's sifting you, look what it says. After you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. In other words, once Jesus deals with your heart on this issue of pride, now he says, go and serve your brothers. Go and serve your brothers. Some of you had this sifting happen in just an hour. And you've been through it. And you come and bear testimony and say, look what God did. He delivered me, praise God. And you strengthen your brother. Some of you are still in the midst of the sifting. And you don't have a heart to strengthen their courage anybody. If you opened your mouth, what would come out of it would be how terrible you feel. How bad it is. And you know what? That's all right. Every day I wake up in this house and I say, Lord Jesus, I'm here for another day. Thank you. The phone is not rung and told us we have to move. <laughs> we haven't gotten a phone call saying we're cutting off the support for the house. Next month, you're on your own. They said they would do it for six months. They've paid now for five years. In August 1 will be five years. Every morning for five years, I've awakened in the morning and said, Lord, is this the week it gets cut off? Until finally the Lord said, aren't you getting tired of that? I am. But you just trust me, Ray. So now I wake up in the morning and I say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I'm in your house. I'm walking under the cloud of your protection. I've stepped over the line. I was sifted. Now I'm to encourage my brothers. I sinned many times in that sifting. I sinned by saying, is God going to cover it or not? I sinned by testing God. 
I sin by complaining against God. I sin by walking in fear and terror and agony of heart. I sin by pretending everything was okay when it wasn't. I know none of you have sinned this way. You come into this sifting and you say, oh God, how am I going to survive getting this shaken up? I'm dirt. Now, some of you don't have this problem, but I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I say, Greenley, you're dirt. They used to call that poor self-esteem. And the Lord wouldn't have any sympathy with me on it. He said, yes, you're a corpse. Go ahead and get buried. Just die. I'll live in you. So now when I look in the mirror in the morning, I look at that face and I say, thank you, Jesus, for living in me. Thank you for dwelling in me. It's to your honor that I live today. I belong to you and I'm going to stay on the side of obedience. I'm not going to step back across the line. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And there are no questions. I'll just do it. Have you avoided the sifting by cleverly covering for your own emergencies? Have you cleverly arranged your life so that you're in charge and you can still call yourself a Christian? Or do you trust the living God of heaven? Have you sold out to him? Have you gone all the way with Jesus? And has he sifted you yet? I wish I could report to you today that he'd sift you just one time. My experience is I've been sifted over and over and over. Every time he has to deal with a pain or an anguish or a sin in my heart, he will arrange circumstances so that I am dealt with. Whether it's a policeman out front or a relationship with someone or a physical illness or sickness, he's not prideful. He uses whatever happens to be there that will get the job done. So as you face tomorrow, do you face it with confidence and with strength and with joy, knowing that in Jesus Christ you are secure, that your salvation is secure, that you walk by faith and in joy with an overwhelming sense of, of gladness in your heart? Because he has saved you and he's carrying you in his arms. How do you walk today? Have you stepped over the line? I just have a sense today that there may be one or two or more who've never stepped over the line. Is there anyone here today? Who has never stepped over the line and said, Lord God, I will serve you. I will sell out. I will go all the way. There is nothing I hold in reserve 
I give it all. Most of you here have at some point said, Jesus, I'll serve you. I don't mean that. I mean, have you stepped over the line so that you don't have any money, you don't have any time, you don't have any energy, you don't have anything that does not belong and rest under the direct authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, if you'd like to step across that line, I ask you to come forward now. You're saying today by coming forward that you're stepping across that line and you are reserving absolutely nothing for yourself. You are giving it all to Jesus. If that's in your heart, I mean, no more time, no more leisure. Jesus is your leisure. No more money. Jesus is your money. No more arguments with anybody because you're the servant. If you've never stepped over that radical line and you're willing to be sifted by God and by the devil to get this work finished in your heart, you've never, if you've never made that covenant with God, then come quickly. Lord, the alarm bells are ringing in the spiritual heavens because these men and women have said today they will step over the line. Lord, not just to follow you, for many followed you for the loaves and the fishes. Lord, these men and women are saying they're stepping over the line to totally sell out to you. That, Lord, they're giving up their life, their money, their time, their energy, their friends, their family, their children, their husbands, their wives. Lord, they're giving up everything, and they are saying, you will be first in my life, Jesus. And, Lord, I know that by their coming forward, Satan will ask to sift them and that you will pray for them, that their faith will not fail. Thank you, Jesus. Make it clear to our hearts. Oh, Lord, we want that pride exposed in our hearts. We want that bitterness completely dealt with. We want that self-sufficiency totally dealt with, that it never could rise its head again. We want the love of money to be dealt with. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to pray after me. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I go all the way with you today. All the way with you today. There is no turning back. There is no turning back. Give me, O oh God. Give me, O oh God. All the faith I'll need. All the faith I'll need. To finish this fight. To finish my fight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Mighty God. Mighty King. Lord Jesus, fill our hearts with your faith. Give us the ability to strengthen our brothers and sisters.